This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And the goal that we have is to provide our listeners the real facts and the real stats about our local market. You know, what's happening in Michigan may not be the same as what's happening here in California. Um, And by the way, you wouldn't go into a baseball game without a well-prepared game plan. Well, real estate's no different. Um, so we want to give you that information that will help you make a well-prepared game plan so you'll be a winner in the real estate market. And speaking of winners, uh, I'm going to really enjoy today's show because we have the Fresno Grizzlies here. And the Grizzlies have done a lot for our community, and especially the real estate market. If you look at downtown Fresno and look at the brewery district, district, how it's really grown, that has a lot to do with the Fresno Grizzlies. So representing the Fresno Grizzlies is Jonathan Bravo, and good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. And, and what is your position there? Yeah, absolutely. I'm the Director of Marketing and Communications for the Grizzlies. All right. You guys are doing a good job. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> I can, I'm impressed all the time when I go to a Grizzly game at all the entertainment and the events that, and everything that happens. So good job. Thank you. We also have Steve Solis. He is the field manager for the Grizzlies. Good morning. Good morning, and thanks for having me. Yeah, um, and I think you're the first baseball head coach to be in here. <laughs> now, we, it's, al- it's always <laughs> nice to be the first at something. That's right. <laughs> All right, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What? Um... I am a uh, Southern California native. I grew up in the uh, Ventura County area. Uh, grew up in a town, Oxnard, California. Mm-hmm. Went to high school there. I uh, was fortunate enough to play with some some good athletes there. Uh, Demetri Young's the, the name that most people would probably be familiar with. Been long time, Bulldog, yeah. yeah. And then. Uh, after high school, got a, a baseball scholarship to go to Cal State LA. So I, I spent four years at a Division II school there in uh, in the heart of Los Angeles. I um, was fortunate enough to have a good good college career. Got drafted by the Cleveland Indians. Um, made my way around the minor leagues for about you know ten years. Uh, good catch and throw guy, but couldn't hit. So that's why I'm I'm managing now. But uh, uh, as as fate would have it, I'd end up on the major league coaching staff with the with the Angels. So um, that's what brought me here. You just described me. In high school, I played baseball. I was I was a good fielder, but I couldn't hit. Oh yeah, I tell these guys all the time. There's a lot of there's a lot of tough things about this game, and pro- hitting's probably the toughest. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of hitting, we also have Bryant Betancourt, and you are uh, the catcher on the Fresno Grizzlies. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm catcher on first baseman. Occasional first base. What, which one do you like? Well, I better not ask you that because your coach is here. You, you just, I have a feeling I know. <laughs> you just want in the game, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I like cash, but that all my life I was infielder, so I love play first baseman too. All right, great. His favorite position is in the batter's box. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you hit. Speaking of hitting. Man, what happened last night? <laughs> what a game. 
compared to the night before. I was at the Thursday game, one to nothing, and that was something. By the way, that was me out on the field doing the keg push. I know. You killed it. You did an amazing job. (laughs) I want you to know I fell on purpose just to make the other guy feel all right since he fell. Well, and it presented great. Um, So, yeah, I I totally get that. Absolutely. All scripted. (laughs) All right. Um, I kind of want to get into what the Grizzlies do. Uh, um, Give us a little history on the Fresno Grizzlies, if you would. Absolutely, yeah. So the Fresno Grizzlies started 25 years ago this year, which is pretty cool. So we're in our 25th season as an organization. Um, They started in 1998 playing at Bob Bennett. um, Well, what is now Bob Bennett Stadium. It was Pete Biden Field at the time. um, So you do know your history. Of course. Well, I worked for (laughs) Fresno State for a few years beforehand. A huge, huge Fresno baseball fan as a whole. Um, So, yeah, and then moved to downtown Fresno in 2002 um, to play at what was then, of course, Grizzly Stadium, now Chick Chan. Park and yeah since then I mean we've had a uh, World Series champions all-stars you know the list of legends goes on and on you know from Giants affiliate to Astros affiliate Nationals and now of course loving our time with the Colorado Rockies Um, it's you know really cool to be in our 25th season as an organization looking back at just how much history we have now because you know we're a seasoned franchise at this point and you know just really really excited to be part of downtown Fresno. All right. And, and um, how about the ballpark? What year did that open up? Yeah, so that opened in 2002. You know, the, the footprint is a little bit different than when it had opened up since the time it opened in 2002 to now 21 seasons later. It's, you know, we've added a brand new video board, brand new lights, brand new speakers, our Fresno social area and left field, Splash Park and right field. So it looks very different than the day it opened in 2002. It does. So when it first opened up, I used to say, because I've traveled, I've done a, um, a ballpark trip around the country, and, and I said, okay, left field reminds me of Fenway Park with the green monster. Mm-hmm. Right field used to remind me of Dodger Stadium with the, the low fence, and, and now you've changed it to, to Splash Park and uh, – yep. Yeah, that's it's for the kids. It's it not, is. It's, it's not just for me. <laughs> right, right. But you know, on those warm nights, you're more than welcome to go out there. <laughs> I'll tell you what. My daughter came to the game two nights ago, and, yeah. and all she could talk about was the jump and bounce houses in right field. Oh my gosh! I said, so Did you watch fun. the game at all? She's like, No, 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 no. I was at the bounce. House. <laughs> <laughs> Did she even notice her dad? Was <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. All right. Um, what what kind of opportunities are there for groups in the community? Like, for example, Fresno Association of Realtors. We're a large group. Absolutely. Um, how can we... First of all, how can we go and enjoy a game as a group? Oh, my gosh. There's so many different options, you know, from just your standard group ticket rate um, all the way to we've got luxury suites. We have the pool out in center field, which is a really hot commodity for, you know, pun intended slightly um, during those warm summer nights. Um, The cantina out in left field, which includes an all you can eat buffet and things like that. Like it blows me away. It blew me away when I joined the organization. You know, as an outsider, you don't realize how many different unique ways there are to enjoy the baseball game out of Chuchansi Park. So tons of different options for all groups of all sizes. Yeah. And I think the uh, misconception many people have is that it's just about baseball, Mm -hmm. but that facility can do a lot. 
um, we, we've had I've been there for meetings. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, it, we've been able to rent the facilities, and you know, on a non-ball game day, mm -hmm. and. Hey, it's great. Yeah, well, that's something we're really proud about. You know, our you said it yourself. Yes, at its core, baseball is our main product. We are a baseball team. But there are so many different uses for that ballpark where it really is a year-round facility. So, like you said, whether it's renting out spaces for meetings all the way up to 20,000 people for a concert down on that field, we really want to make sure that it's a venue in our community for our community. I went to a Toby Keith concert okay now. yeah man that was something <laughs> yeah those concerts are so special for us to put on just because it's you know very different there's not a lot of parks especially not in single a that are able to put on the kind of production that we're able to put on so like you said toby keith last year we had leonard skinnerd a couple weeks ago we had ti rick ross and lil john for tequila fest really runs the gauntlet <laughs> what what's this thing about the savannah bananas yeah, so they're coming end of July, um, which will be really cool. Uh, you know, again, it's although it's a baseball event, of course, it, it's very different for us, right? Because it's not a Fresno Grizzlies baseball it's event. It's They bring in their full staff. They bring in everything from ushers to ticket takers to security, whole nine yards. So for our staff, we get to just kind of see what they do, which is really cool. We get to open our doors, get to work hand in hand with them. But they're putting on their show, so we get to kind of just sit back and learn from them. For those of us that don't know a lot about the Savannah Bananas, what do they do? <laughs> yeah, the perfect example, I think, to describe them by is they're kind of like the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. It's a lot of fun, you know, kind of zany stuff that, you know, we wouldn't be able to do on a typical basis, um, like lighting baseball bats on fire, someone going out walking on stilts. But on our staff side of things, we use it as a, you know, yeah, we could never do this kind of thing. But let's use that to inspire different parts of our ball game. So like you had mentioned a little bit before coming on air, you know, the entertainment aspect side of things, you know, what can we do to continue to push the envelope? What can we do to continuously engage our fans in between innings so they don't just hop on their phones and tune out? Yeah, I, I'm glad he said in between innings because I, I don't think you're going to see the Grizzlies manager on stilts coaching first base. So. <laughs> uh, we'll get you one day. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> Right. Um, you know, you could end up being a manager like Tommy Lasorda and be the <laughs> ultimate showman. I, I could see him trying that. <laughs> he was quite a character and brought a lot of attention to the game. He was he was one of the best. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, my favorite Tommy Lasorda story. I saw him at a restaurant one time and I said, Tommy, do you mind giving a, autographing something for my mother? She just fell and broke her arm. And she's kind of down in the dumps. He goes, sure, no problem. Now, he already heard my name. He knew I was Italian. He writes on there. He goes, what's her first name? I said, Adelina. He writes on there, dear Adelina, you, the Italians, and the Dodgers are all the best. Now, get well soon. Tommy Lasorda. <laughs> awesome. I mean, that was a personalized uh, autograph. And, uh, and, boy, she snapped out of her funk real oh, quick. Yeah. All right, so how, how does somebody get tickets for the Savannah Bananas? 
Yeah, absolutely. So by my understanding, they're pretty much uh, all gone at this point. Now, again, it was a hot ticket commodity. Um, you know, we might, I believe, have a few of our group areas still available. You, the Savannah Bananas, again, when they come in for their event, they take over everything. So all the ticketing is through their ticketing platform and the whole nine yards is through the bananas. Um, so, you know, go ahead and go to their website. They have a waiting list. Um, we might have a couple of luxury suites like I had mentioned. Email us at members at fresnogrizzlies.com. You'll go ahead and get connected with our ticket um, representatives and we'll see what we can do to hook you up. All right, great. It is time for our first commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio because we're going to talk more about the Grizzlies and the housing component of uh, Fresno and how it's it's all related. Thank you. America, sweet America. You know, God done shed his grace on well, Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we are here in the studio with some members of the Fresno Grizzlies organization. We have catcher and sometimes first baseman Bryant Betancourt one of the star players on the team. And we also have the coach, Steve Solis, here, and then uh, Jonathan Bravo, who is the marketing director for the, the Grizzlies. So what does the Fresno Grizzlies and baseball have to do with real estate? It's got a lot to do because it makes the city of Fresno, the community, I shouldn't say the city, I should say, should say the community of Fresno in the surrounding areas. Uh, it gives us all something to cheer for, to get behind, just like we do the Bulldogs. I remember being back at a um, uh, some sem real estate seminar in Washington, D.C. a few years back, and the table next to me, I heard him talking about the Bull Fresno State Bulldogs. Well, you know, that gave recognition to the community, and that's what the Grizzlies bring here, too. Um, so going back to those ticket packages we talked about, here, here's something that I've done. I've been a season ticket holder since the very beginning out at Pete Biden Field. Um, and I think it's a great thing, and hopefully you guys keep doing this, any unused tickets you can turn in for a, a future game. So I do that a lot with clients who come to town and I want to introduce them to the community of Fresno. What better way than a, a nice baseball game on a cool summer evening or a hot summer <laughs> evening. But, you know, I love the way the park is constructed because there's always shade somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you may have to fight for the spot, <laughs> but it, it is there. Um, what is... How, how many jobs does the Fresno Grizzlies create for? Yeah, absolutely. Fresno? It ends up being a couple hundred jobs throughout the season. And, you know, it's really fun getting to be on the inside of things because, you know, I think 
all our fans come to the games. They, it's really hard to conceptualize how many people it really takes to put on a full production like a Fresno Grizzlies game. I mean, you're talking everything from the obvious front office staff all the way to our production crew, the people running around with our um, cameras, to ushers, concession stands, ticket takers. Uh, yeah, we end up employing um, a couple hundred people throughout the season. And it's really a point of passion for us to see how excited all those individuals are to work for our hometown team as well. And I got to compliment your organization, and I guess it starts with Derek. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll give Derek Frank some of, <laughs> some of the credit here. Of course, all the credit, absolutely. But it's amazing how everybody I've dealt with over the many, many years, whether it be an usher or, or uh, somebody behind a concession stand or in the ticket office, has a, a very helpful attitude. It, it, so you guys are running a good ship. Thank you. Yeah, you know, it's our fans are coming out, spending their hard-earned money with us to come enjoy a baseball game. We want to make sure from the moment they park their car to the moment they leave um, at the end of the evening, they're having the absolute top-notch experience they can. And, you know, that really, uh, that feel reverberates around our entire organization. Yeah. Absolutely. We always talk about our opening day. Uh, my address to the team in opening day is, you know, you're only as good as the people around you. And and we have uh, some of the best in the business, you know, second to none. Um, they do a great job from the front office to the field staff as far as uh, grounds crew. David and his, his grounds crew do, does a great job. And it, you're talking about real estate and taking pride in, in, in where you come from and what you are, are putting out there. You know, you, everyone takes pride in their home, you know, your front yard, your backyard, the front door, the roof, and all that, all the whole nine yards. Uh, the Grizzlies are, are much the same from, from front office to uh, grounds crew to the product on the field um it's 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 always a great environment and it's, it makes for a, a great place to come to work so steve how do you do that as the field manager to get that same thing that Derek franks has been able to do in his part of the organization how do you get the players to all buy into that same attitude and at that team spirit well it just comes down to you know having having respect you know, you, you want to, you want respect, you give respect. So I, in my opening address, I talked to the kids about, you know, I don't care who walks through this clubhouse. I don't care who you uh, encounter out on the field, whether we be at home or on the road, you know, you're going to look people in the eye, you're going to treat everyone with respect and, um, and, and have the, uh, the mind of, you know, you're representing not only yourself, the Colorado Rockies, but more importantly, your family back home. So, you know, just uh, conduct yourself accordingly. And, and we've had been lucky. We have a great group this year, a great group of kids who are very respectful and just good, good people. And so it, uh, it obviously, it, you know, it makes my job easier, but, it, um, but it, it provides a culture and an environment where it's easy to work and everyone gets along. Bryant, he called you a kid. <laughs> How old are you? I'm 19. 19? Yeah, yeah, he's 19 years old. I'm old enough to be his father. So, yeah, okay. he's a kid. So then... <laughs> With all respect, I have to call you a kid, too. <laughs> but uh, this must be a dream for you to be thousands of miles away from your home, playing a game you love, and only being 19 years old. Yeah, actually, a dream. Uh, the last year I played in Dominican Republic, I had a good season. So my, my goals for this year uh, was play here in Fresno. So thanks God I'm playing here, and now I I trying to do my job. All right. 
We just spoke, Brian and I, on the way here. You know, his family's all back in, in uh, Venezuela. And I asked, you know, how often you get to see him? And he's basically in the off season. So, you know, although he's chasing a dream, there's a lot of sacrifices that come along with it. And he's doing a great job both on and off the field. Um, and, and he's definitely doing doing well on and off the field and making his family proud back home. All right. And I should have mentioned this in the beginning, but your family could listen to this show today, uh, even in Venezuela, if they go to, um, I was about to say FresnoGrizzlies.com. I mean, you're welcome to go there, too. You might not hear the show. KYNOFresno.com. And uh, even if it's too late to turn in, tune in live, they can hear the podcast after the show. Yeah, my dad maybe is listening right now because he I tell him and he said, Oh, in English? What? You want to have a radio show in English? And I said, Hey, yeah. Well, then your dad must be really proud. And, and um, you did your homework if you knew in advance to tell him how to listen to the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I searched the, the, the station. Yeah. Yeah, he did a little Google search. These young guys, they, they're really amazing with this technology these days, and I'm sure nothing gets by these guys. So, I told him yesterday he was going to be on this radio show with me. So I'm sure he uh, he did some homework and, and and got the information back home. Yeah. See, that's the young guys. Now, see, the first half of my life, we didn't even have computers, <laughs> so I don't think of that first off. Yeah, funny story. This is probably I'm dating myself here, but this is probably goes back five, ten years. I, I my niece is in in college or high school. I'm sorry, and, and uh, asked her what she wanted to do for her birthday, and she said, "I just want to go to the library," which I found kind of amusing, you know. So I took her to the library, and as we walked in, I looked around. And I said, "Hey, so where's the card catalog?" And she looked at me like I had two heads. And I go, what are you talking about? How do you find a book? And she goes, it's in these computers, Nino. So you talk about technology. I'm very technologically challenged as well. All right. Um, it, oh, and by the way, that's part of what this show is about, too, is uh, uh, over the years we've realized technology can put out a lot of stats and information about housing, uh, uh, about baseball. Um, the stats, but that doesn't tell the whole story. You got to go deeper. Like one of your buddies, Mike Sosha, may not have had one of the best slash lines, but man, that guy meant the world to his team Absolutely. with all the intangibles. Absolutely, you know he. Fortunately, I got I got, I got the opportunity to work with him, and now we're, we're good friends. And, and one thing he brought to the table, uh, day in and day out, was a, a work ethic and a consistency about doing what it takes to help the team win. So you're talking about the slash line. May not have always been there, although he did hit one of the bigger home runs in uh, 1988 against Dwight Gooden uh, there in New York. So, you know, you never know where your hero is going to come from or, or where, what it's going to be. You know, his M.O. was the defensive side of the ball, but he ended up showing up on the offensive side of the ball. But he, uh, he brought a consistency, a work ethic, and like I said, uh, do what it takes to help the team win. Um, but, yeah, so he's, uh, he's definitely – is a great resource for myself and a, and a winner. So, Bryant, if you want to get ahead in baseball, Google Mike Sosha. <laughs> find out how he played the game and that work ethic he had, and and you'll get there too. Uh, he, okay. uh, 
he was just one of my favorite players. Can you tell I'm a Dodger fan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 I sure can. You know, it's a funny story. I worked for the Angels for 16 years, and my family, we grew up in the Ventura County, Oxnard area. So I, as naturally, we were, uh, I shouldn't say we were, but grew up Dodger fans, right? And so when I was working for the Angels, my youngest brother would ask, hey, can you leave me tickets when we're playing the Dodgers? And I said, yeah, no problem. I said, just so, just so you know, though, you're going to be in – the Angels family section. So this, you know, golf clap and leave the Dodger hat at home. <laughs> yeah. And and he would always tell me, he's like, you know, I think I'll just get my own tickets. It's all right. And I said, oh, I guess blood's not thicker than water. So. <laughs> you know, the only negative thing I could say about the Grizzlies organization is I tried to raise my children right and bring them up as Dodger fans. But because we went to Grizzly games and they were a Giants mm-hmm. affiliate at the time, they started connecting with Buster Posey Tim Lincecum, and they became giant fans. <laughs> yeah. It, it just, yeah, it just killed me. Well, but, keep, keep bringing them out there because sooner or later they're gonna be, we're going to transform them into Rockies fans. We got Ezekiel Tovar in the big leagues right now and, and players like uh, Betancourt, uh, Bougarine. We got uh, Andy Perez right now with Jordy Vargas. These guys are the future of the Colorado Rockies, and we're going to make a lot of Fresno, Fresno uh, faithful into Rocky fans and, and proud Rocky fans at that. All right. Great. With that, we are going to our next commercial break. Stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we have the Fresno Grizzlies in the studio today. And we're talking about our community and what the Grizzlies organization does and helps, how it helps our real estate community, but more importantly, the, com- the families uh, in the communities. And one of my favorite stories is way back when they first built Chichancy Park, uh, as Grizzly Park back then. Um, I brought a, fr- uh, a friend of mine in the real estate business, sold one of my listings. So I said, hey, I got four tickets for uh, tomorrow night's game. You want to bring your kids? He said, sure. We go out there. His eight-year-old son is shows up in his little league uniform, had his hat on, his glove, and a big, huge smile. He was, he was all for this. He was going to catch a foul ball. He was going to do whatever it took, and that's when it hit me. The, look at what that does for our community. You know, to have kids excited like that. Um, we wouldn't think twice about is it worth it to go out and build a park for the kids well we built a baseball park for the kids and uh, it gives them something to do out there um okay so now i want to turn to a question of uh housing how hopefully hopefully bryant betancourt is not on a one-year lease in his (laughs) rental because hopefully you know for your benefit i hope you move on up and and uh star for the colorado rockies actually i hope you get traded to the dodgers (laughs) (laughs) no 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 no. he's a rocky (laughs) all right all right but what is the housing situation like um because a typical landlord wouldn't want to rent to somebody who could give a 24-hour notice to move (laughs) Yeah, um, the the housing uh, situation in the minor leagues has evolved over the years. You know, uh, before it was pretty much, 
you know, the, the local team would, would be the Grizzlies here would, uh, you know, print out a sheet of paper and hand it out to every player when we first, you know, upon first arriving in Fresno with a group of apartment complexes you could call. And then, and then the players were on their own to, you know, basically call around and find a place to, you know, buddy up and with roommates and find a place to live. Um, it's now evolved to where the, the, uh, the organization itself uh, handles all the housing. So the Colorado Rockies are the, I guess, would be the go-to, the in-between. for, uh, With the help of the Fresno Grizzlies here in the area, they kind of point us in the right direction as far as uh, the neighborhoods we'd like to look at and live in. Um, then the Rockies themselves, uh, front office goes around and, and signs those. You talked about one-year leases. Basically, they sign the leases for the 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 players and then we just kind of assign uh players uh you know who do you want to live with and make sure they all have cars in certain areas so they have the ability to get to and from the field um but yeah it has evolved from you know players having to uh fend for themselves to now the organization takes care of that and it, it's it's actually something it's actually something that's been really good because it takes their uh, takes the worry of finding a place to live off the plate of the player and allows them to just play baseball yeah, boy, I could see that about worrying. I mean, you here you come thousands of miles to a new city. You got a game to play tonight, <laughs> and you don't even have a place to live yet. And so <laughs> that would be tough. Yeah. So that's something the Rockies become the tenant. They sign the lease, and they right. have a handful of them. And right, yeah, the Rockies the become the tenant. They sign the lease. The players will sign an agreement with the Rockies saying, you know, We'll pay for any damages if there's damages, but ultimately the Rockies are, are the ones in control and sign the lease, and then we, we, we uh, you know, put them with roommates and, and, and they go from there. Are they typically houses or apartments? It's, uh, you know, whatever, whatever the community will have, bring, uh, have available to us. A lot of our guys stay in apartments, um, or I'm sorry, houses, and, and some of them, you know, uh, maybe detached condos or whatever. So it's whatever... Uh, the Rockies and Grizzlies can f come together and find uh, and and what's best for the, the kid. Usually, uh, they have uh, one one person per room. So a lot of our places have three bedrooms. So you see three players living together. Um, some have two. So um, and then uh, I, I'm sure I think I think we have one situation where four guys live in a house. So it's a four bedroom house. So the only stipulation is every player gets their own bedroom within the house or condo apartment. So yeah. it can come in it. Any form or fashion, but they're each getting their own room. All right. And hopefully you keep the, the lawn watered and, uh, you know, pull the weeds. <laughs> How are you doing? Who's doing your yard work right now? Yard work? <laughs> not, not, not Brian. Yeah. Hey, he's the starting well, catcher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I did we, pick him up this morning, and I saw that it was well manicured. So, so uh, somebody's taking care of that. Yeah. Uh, one... One day per month, uh, people go to do that job. Ah, yeah. We live four in in my house, in our house. We are four. We have four bedrooms, and it's nice. We help with the food, and we don't have car, but we have teammates that live near us, and they give off a ride to the stadium. So that helps. Speaking of being resourceful, tell him how you get around, not not to and from the field. But we talked today. He said he went to the store last night. Oh, and I yeah. said, how did you get there? For Bison Chipotle and Solway, we go in a bicycle. All right. And yeah. his roommates went out and bought a bicycle so they can get to and They live on Shaw, so it's right. It's close to, uh, you know, the 
close to Fig Garden Village. There you go, yeah. Fig Garden Village. And they, they get around on a bicycle, but to and from the field, they have roommates or teammates that pick them up. So, Brian, how do you like Fresno? How do you like Fresno? Come on. Come on, it's Fresno. Oh, uh, I like that city, this city. Yeah. Uh, we don't we don't go out a lot. We only go to the stadium and return to the house, sleep, and the other day go to the stadium. I prefer staying in the home, uh, playing video games. And uh, when I go out, it's for buy it's for buy food or something. So yeah. Well, and of course your coach is here, so you have to give a good answer like that. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask you about the nightlife. Oh, and your father's listening on on the show too. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but he don't he don't understand the English, so <laughs> <laughs> he is studying right now. But Brian, these guys are getting lucky. They're 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 witness they're experiencing Fresno with uh, some immaculate weather. You know, the last two years we were here, um, it got in the 100, 110 degrees and it was hot. So all these guys came here with the, uh, this idea that we were gonna be scorching at this time of the year. And it's been great so far. So these guys have nothing to complain about. <laughs> so when the season's over here in Fresno, and let's say you did not get called up to the Rockies just yet, but do you j return home to Venezuela, or do you stay around Fresno for a while? No, I return to Venezuela to see my family. And all my off-season, I, I stay in Venezuela training and preparing myself for the next season. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, before you go back to, to Venezuela, you get a chance to go to Yosemite. It's, yeah. it's about two hours away. It's incredible. I won't go to, to that part maybe in the in the All Star break. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys, like he, he may mention, we we play every uh, six days a week. They've got Mondays off, and uh, but coming up here next month, we've got a four day All Star break. So it's going to give the kids a chance to get out and experience a little more Fresno than they would during the season. Because, like you said, that it's 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 a it's a grind. It's an everyday thing with the baseball. Uh, but I'm sure a lot of them are looking forward to those four days off, and I would highly recommend the Yosemite National Park. How do you like this new scheduling where it, I guess you play every Tuesday through Sunday, every Monday's off is what it appears. And yeah. I think that just started, what, this year or last year? Uh, two years ago. Two years ago. Post-COVID, yeah, 2021 when they did the realignment and uh, you know made it a little more uh, travel-friendly. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I was a little skeptical at first. You know, not not so much the six days a week. I think that's great. These guys get uh, every Monday to look forward to having a day off. I was a little more skeptical of playing the same team six straight times, as we do now. Um, as it has uh, worked out, I'm now a big fan of it. You know, from a developmental standpoint here at the single A level, it gives us from the coaching staff much more uh, opportunity to coach and teach because we're not spending a whole lot of time on a bus as in years past, you know. Prior to that, we would play three game series and you're out to the next city. A lot of times traveling through the middle of the night. So, you know, you get to the next city at three, four in the morning. Not much you can do on the baseball field at that point where you're like, hey, give them a break, let them show up later to the field. With the way that the, the schedule is now, we, we work six days a week. You're only on a bus really one time. You know, say we play San Jose, we're, we're two-hour trip to San Jose, we're there for six days. So within those six days, we can get a lot more done from a developmental standpoint in practicing. So I'm a big fan of the uh, the schedule now. Um, 
And like much like everything else is changing in baseball, you know, uh, you just got to give it an opportunity and, and see where it goes. And then, like I said, I'm a big fan of the scheduling now. Yeah, and when we get back to our next uh, segment after the commercial break, I do want to ask you about a lot of the rule changes and your thoughts on that. Um, but so that's interesting. I, and I, I could see that how from a teaching, coaching standpoint, that would really be helpful. Oh, yeah. We get to spend more time on the base. Our day starts. I'm giving him a little bit of a softer week this week, but we'll be back at it next week. Our, our day starts at around 12:45. You know, I not everybody, but I'll have a group of kids in for early defense or early hitting, and so th those players are earmarked for a 12:45 start, and then uh, our normal batting practice gets going around 3:45, and then we, you know, on the field for a couple hours, and then get ready for the game at 6:50. You know, years past, like I said, if you're getting in town at five in the morning, it's really tough to show up at 12:45 for early defense. So with this new schedule, the, the much more travel friendly, we can it affords us the opportunity to have that 12:45 schedule and get these guys the uh, early work that they need because, you know, the one thing I've learned at this level is a lot of the kids nowadays grow up. Uh, not really getting to play games in volume like you know when we were younger there was less restrictions on what you can play in amateur baseball uh, nowadays there's a lot more emphasis on on rest and recovery so they're not logging as many games so to speak so uh, it's much more important for us to get them what we can uh, as close to game experience in practice and, and like I said the schedule is for us the opportunity to do that all right uh, with that, we are going to our next commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino. We have the Grizzlies here in the studio with us, Jonathan Bravo. Bryant Betancourt and Steve Solis, and uh, we've been talking how uh, the Grizzlies organization really benefits our community, which then benefits our real estate uh, market. Uh, it, there's a pride in our, our city. And um, anyway, now I want to get for our final segment, I got some questions just about baseball, but also it, it it's all going to relate to real estate too somehow but what about rule changes we've had a ton of rule changes in real estate and man we, you have to really adapt uh, and i i told somebody earlier this week in my whole career the hardest thing is the fact that i got to adapt all the time markets change well now there's been some rule changes in baseball how uh let, let's say the pitch clock is that a how, how what do you guys think uh, I like it because I feel that the game is is faster but it's hard too because uh, I when I hit I feel that is the the pitcher sometimes is so fast and I can get my time for be prepared but when I catch in I feel better because you know you can go fast with the pitcher and and the hitter is not comfortable with that, and it makes me more comfortable when I catch it. So I like what you said about it. As a catcher, uh, you can work with the pitcher. When I used to catch, there was two catchers on our team. One guy, he, he always wanted the catcher 
wanted to control the pitcher and his timing. So he made the pitcher go at his time. Well, I did it the opposite. If that pitcher was working fast, I got that ball back to him fast. I, mean, I let him go at his pace. Uh, whereas, and that seemed to, the other catcher upset the pitchers. <laughs> he, got, he got on their nerves. So, uh, yeah, I, I could see where uh, going fast is good for some pitchers. Yeah. What's it like working with different pitchers? Because everybody's got a different mind, uh, different style. I like work with Mike Proseski because he he pitched that that I like that he pitched fast and sometimes he wait that the the clock uh, beyond two seconds or three he changed the times so I like work with him. He he pitched Thursday night <clears throat> I believe and was yeah. part of the one nothing shutout. Yeah. Yeah. I've always said you're talking about handling different pitchers. Uh, you know the catcher. I, the analogy I use is you know the catcher is the jockey and the pitcher is the horse. So you got to figure out what type of horse you're riding, and and the best jockeys out there can adapt to what's underneath them, and the best catchers out there can adapt and and, and uh, guide any different uh, pitcher based on personality through a game. So that that's usually my analogy. The the the, the pitcher is the horse, and the and the catcher is the jockey. I, that's the part I loved most about catching is because you could be a part-time psychologist. Um, I remember we had this one pitcher. Man, he was great, but I'd have to go out. to He'd get all upset about um, the umpire. I'd have to go out there and say, no, that was a strike. Or, or excuse me, that was a ball, so quit complaining. A few minutes later, I'm out there saying, all right, you got to calm me down. Yeah, I'm doing reverse <laughs> psychology on him. That guy's getting to me. Calm me down. It, and uh, so then he had to work at being calm. One of the best tricks in the trade, uh, I learned this years ago from a, a longtime big leaguer in uh, World Series MVP and Pat Borders. I got the, the uh, luxury of playing with him in AAA, and he, he gave me a trick a long time ago. And I use it sometimes as a manager. You know, when it gets exciting out there and, and emotions start running high and you got a pitcher, you think the game's kind of speeding up on him, um, I'll walk out, or as a catcher, I walked out. Now as a manager, I walked out walk out and, and I will start talking to him but just mouthing it and I'm, I won't no 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 words will be coming out but I'll just mouth it and, and if he's nodding his head like yeah 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 then you know he's not listening to you because you're not saying anything <laughs> so it's a way to slow guys down and find out who's really able to slow the game down and, and digest what you're saying or not saying to them all right um who benefits the most from the pitch clock is it the batter the pitcher the base runner or the fans to, to to me i think it's the game the game benefits the most you know it's all encompassing like bryant had made mention to right now you know everyone's getting used to it, it it's there's probably a little bit more advantage to the pitcher and the defense because the, the hitter is forced to get in the batter's box and be attentive to the pitcher at nine seconds mm -hmm. so once he gets in there or i'm sorry eight seconds once he gets in there at eight seconds and he's attentive to the ready to hit so to speak the pitcher has the ball in his hand, and he can sit there for eight seconds and wait till he gets down to, to one. You know, that being said, the, the the pitcher still has to deliver quality pitch. So a lot of times these guys try to manipulate that clock, but it their pitch execution suffers. Um, obviously, the better they get with pitch, pitch execution, the rules will favor the pitcher because he can't sit there and, and wait. Um, right now, you know, that's what, what it is. But ultimately, the game's... Uh, 
is the is the one that's benefiting the most because you'll see more action uh, or the action being you know, continuous on the baseball field and, and ultimately the, a better fan experience. How about banning the shift? Are you in favor of that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings on it. You know, I, at first I was like, yeah, you know, we should ban the shift and create more action on the field. But at the same time, it, it'd be like, you know, if we we're talking about a different sport saying, you know, you, you can't play a goal line defense anymore or, you know, uh, no more uh, prevent defense in football. You know, I think that there's a strategy to playing uh, to playing this game uh, and a shift as part of the strategy. I think is the onus would be on the offense to to beat the shift, so to speak, and become a more well-rounded off- uh, hitter. Um, you know, I, I don't think anyone's going to listen to what Steve Solis has to say in Fresno, so we play with the rules that are uh, afforded us. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just feel like uh, for the from a strategic standpoint um, – you know, as a defensive mind, my, uh, I, I like to think I'm a defensive mind. Uh, I'd like to say, uh, you don't tell me how to play defense. Just, you know, you guys figure out how to beat it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. How about the bigger bases? Has that made a, much of an impact? From a player standpoint, you can speak on this. Uh, yeah, uh, I, feel, I feel better with that basis when I'm running and when I play in first baseman because I'm – I have the confidence that the hitter, that the runner, don't gonna hit in my ankle. Uh, sometimes it happened because I, I put my feet in all the base, but it's better. Yeah, I, I think from a safety aspect, you know, it has there is a benefit to the bigger base uh, as it relates to the competition or the strategy. I really haven't seen much of a difference. I honestly, I noticed the bigger bases the first day they were out there. I said, "Well, those are big," and, and haven't really noticed it since. <laughs> Well, and with the bigger base, there should be fewer phantom double plays. <laughs> that 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 came along with the advent of the instant replay. Now you know the 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 swipe tag, the you know phantom double play, not hitting the base. That's all under more scrutiny with the advent of uh, instant replay. Obviously, we don't have that here at the minor leagues, but but the higher you go up, you got to make sure you're dotting your eyes and crossing your t's and, and tagging every base and tagging every runner. Now. This year, I became a big proponent of the new rules, the pitch clock, the banning the shift, and the bigger bases, because I've been out to watch my grandkids in three-year-old t-ball. <laughs> That's where these new rules really should apply. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. I, I, it's funny to watch an entire field of kids all move the same way. <laughs> yeah. There's one one rule I like to mention that I think uh, often gets overlooked when it comes to pace of play, and uh, it's the uh, disengagement, the amount of times a pitcher is allowed to disengage the rubber, meaning you know whether pick off to first base or just take his foot off the rubber and and ask for a new sign. Um, those are limited to two two per hitter. So if we got a guy on first base and you're out at the game tonight and you're watching, when we have a runner on first base, the the pit opposing pitcher is only allowed to throw over. A, a maximum of, of two times a third time a third attempt is okay but if there's not an out recorded on the play it, it's considered a balk i think that has had as much to do with time of game as the pitch clock itself has hmm. 
Wow. And you mentioned the game tonight. Jonathan, What what's going on tonight? Any special promotions? Absolutely. It's Pajama Jam out at the ballpark tonight. <laughs> so kids 12 and younger wearing pajamas, getting free. Um, you know, Throughout the game, um, talking on the entertainment side of things, there's going to be a lot of PJ, pajama-focused, sleeping-focused um, events. We've got chicken and waffles in some of our concession stands, really leaning into the whole sleep side of things. Sunday's Parker's birthday. We've also got games all next week as well. Is it really his birthday? Because Sunday's my birthday, too. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. Well, we're we're celebrating him. We, If you're down there, we'd love to celebrate you, too. <laughs> happy, happy early birthday. There you go. Uh, okay. I have a, a riddle for you, for you now. Because uh, I, I noticed, Steve, as a coach, you um, usually are the first base coach, not third base coach. Isn't it, it usually the other well, way around? Yeah. Well, I started out over at third base this year, and uh, we had hit a, uh, a little – dry spell so to speak and we weren't scoring any runs so i told caesar galvez who's my bench coach i said we're gonna make a switch and see if you can score more runs than i can and he has so you know like a good manager would if it ain't broke don't fix it so he's gonna stay over at third base as long as we're scoring runs all right so here's my riddle what do base coaches and realtors have in common <laughs> you want to take this one you don't know if you want to take it, Jonathan? Yeah. Uh, it's that they make sure you get home safely, as I hear. <laughs> uh, that's right. Both realtors and base coaches. Yep. We got to coach everything so that we can get our clients, our players home safely. Hey, I want to thank you guys. This has been an enjoyable show. I hope our listeners enjoyed it. And, Bryant, I hope your father enjoyed it, too. Uh, yeah. You'll have to translate it for him, though. <laughs> he, he, he is studying, uh, so he can and listening yeah. slow and all right understand. well i want to thank all our listeners for tuning in and we'll be back again next week thank you uh, for having us it's been a pleasure thank you mm-hmm.